coming out the jacket Cause we're turning up the heat I wanna see you clapping when you get about to see It's time to make it happen when we hit these streets I'm coming in hot and I can't be beat Watch out now Welcome everybody to episode 55 of Agency Phonics. I'm here today with David Berkowitz and um, so I can't even say the W properly myself. Don't, don't try too hard, it's fine. Um, but for those of you who are regular listeners to the show, you'll know how appalling I am at pronouncing names full stop. Uh, before I get to David, I just want to say a couple of quick thank yous. Thank you to Forecast, uh, the project management software for supporting our shows and our community. Without you, we can't do all of these wonderful things. Um, check out their details. They're in the show notes, as always. And as always, a quick thank you to Caitlin and Abby behind the scenes making these podcast shows happen and everyone turn up on time. Pete's not with us today. He's not feeling too well today. He's a bit under the weather. Not COVID, I'm pleased to say. So it is just me. And um, so without further ado, let's uh, let's crack on, David. So you and I got introduced via Peter Davidson, who has been a big supporter and a fan of the stuff we've been doing uh, in the UK from Canada. And and he introduced me because you guys had sort of started to tokenize or put a cryptocurrency into a community. And we'll get to that in a minute. And then we had a chat and I understood that your background was, you know, you actually had quite a, a, a sort of a serious background really in agencies. Then you became a, a, a CMO. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you do today? Yeah, sure thing. Well, well, well uh, it's been the, the, the series of hybrid roles because I got, got into the digital media industry to get paid to write and not be a journalist because I had too much respect for journalism and uh, that respect has only increased. So, so I'm, I'm actually glad I, 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 I didn't have the nerve to join the ranks because uh, I, I don't think I could deal with that, that kind of pressure, especially these days. Um, so, so uh, in, instead I went, uh, I, I, I ultimately went that marketing route and 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 have worked on a mix of the agency side and and some really uh, excited marketing tech companies. I've been in these uh, yeah, strategy and marketing roles, veering into biz dev, and so it hasn't been this this linear path for uh, you know, for some of that time. I've been working on my own, uh, uh, you know, mo- most of the, most of the time working with a, a mix of agency and tech companies on the agency side working with a ton of b2c brands but most of my day-to-day work has been b2b marketing for the agencies or tech companies themselves so uh, so yeah i've gotten to see a lot of different aspects of the industry amazing and and it, i think um you know you've you've obviously been worked within some quite large agencies and then you've you've had that role as cmo like what what are the kind of from your perspective, what are the lessons, I guess, have you learned? Like, if you had to go back into an agency today, now you've been on the other side, mm-hmm. are there things that you would now take back that maybe oh, you didn't know before? Oh, 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 yeah, tons. And and so, uh, uh, so, so I, I, I won't forget when I, I first heard from uh, the the folks at MRY, this uh, shop I, I was uh, talked to in in 2013, and and they. And I talked about potentially joining them, and and they said they they wanted me to come on board as as their first CMO. And I called a good friend of mine, Garth Holsinger, and I, I said, "What do you think of this?" And he goes, "Huh, agency CMO? That's weird." And as soon as Garth said that, I knew I was going to accept the offer. Uh, and and uh, and and so so yeah, bridging bridging that gap 
has been weird because agencies are also terrible at marketing themselves historically uh, and, uh, and they under invest in anything that just feels like the you know, you know the cost center as opposed to like pure you know, agencies despite what they do for their clients they'll see marketing for themselves uh, as just pure expense and not a, a revenue driver so 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 it's, it's an amazing uh, amazing uphill battle there um, and, and, and agencies are also notoriously undifferentiated. I'd say the biggest thing that, that I've learned over the years, like, like I, where if I could go back to MRY, for instance, and, and do things mm. o- over again, um, number one, flat out, would be spend as much time as possible with the head of sales. Uh, ironically, the head of sales at, at, at MRY then, Evan Kraut, who, who, who remains a good friend of mine, literally sat across from me. Uh, our, our partners were good friends, like we'd interacted with each other before I even started there. Uh, and yet, um, and, and yet we barely scratched the surface in really collaborating and really aligning each, o- each other's uh, uh, goals together. Uh, and so, so I think that there was a, a lot of stuff that was being done way too separately. And like, I mean, we, we should have been having the, these, these daily or at least weekly debriefs on like, okay, so, so here's what I'm putting out there. Is this going to help you and your team do your job better? Right? Like, uh, uh, am, am I clear? And, and it's also possible that, that I could say to him, by the way, I'm going to do this crazy thing right now. This has nothing to do with sales. This actually has to do with talent retention. You know, I want to make this place a better place for people to come and work. I want to make it easier for people to tell their friends that they should work here, right? And so, so it's not that sales has to be the be all end all. I just want to make sure that for everything I was doing, I had a clear reason for doing it. And if it was sales driven and, and if there was new business associated with it, how can we measure this better? How can we just, you know, uh, uh, make sure we're 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 reaching the right kinds of people, and and uh, um, and while I, I I tended to think of my CEO as my main client within the firm, uh, yep. I, I I wish I I switched that up and and had the the head of sales as as my key uh, client. That's, that, very, yeah. that's very interesting. I mean, it's it's good to to hear that because. Uh, I think accidentally when I when I grew my agency through the noughties, I I had someone apply for an account manager's job and I too didn't have a marketing manager or director at that stage. And and so but I was I was so kind of like motivated to make sure that people did their dream jobs in life. And this account manager had got a degree in marketing. No one had ever given them an opportunity because she didn't have the experience. And so when I, re- I I asked her to, a part of the interview process, go away and do a do a marketing plan for our biz, for our agency, and she came back, and she did it, and I loved it, and I ended up taking a risk because I didn't think I like most agencies. I didn't need a marketing manager, right? That's what I felt. So I took her on, and 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 you know what? When I when I when I actually find fin- finish my journey building selling exiting. I looked back at the journey and I realized that that was one of, it was two or three pivotal moments and recruiting her was one of them. And so when I went to doing consultancy now, David, going into agencies, helping them scale up, 
I often joke and say, I'm a real fraud because all I do is I turn up, I put a marketing manager in, mm-hmm. then the billings go up and it's like, oh, you're a hero, Spencer. But but it's actually a bit more than that because I have to give them the confidence to invest in the role and to set a budget and make them understand how to be. Because as you rightly say, I think you have to be a good B2B marketing manager to be a marketing manager in an agency. And a lot of agencies recruit like digital marketing people who are just not really understanding the whole holistic perspective of it. But what I love about what you just said was about working with the sales side, because I tend to align often the marketing manager with with the CEO, because obviously they are the practitioner, they're the expert, the evangelist, maybe the personal brand. And if I can augment that voice, it can be with the marketing manager, it can be really powerful. However, a lot of people don't then bring the salesperson in to look at where the leads are actually coming from and 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 how can you help them. And I don't know whether you agree with this, but I've been a real sort of I've been really anti that the sales and marketing role combined because I always worry when it's combined. There's always a conflict. But if you've got two people coming together with specialisms, it becomes more powerful. Have you have you found that as well or not? Yeah, I I, I think that this is where uh, where, where I mean, sales and market, it's usually they're just some distinct skill sets. And, and there are things where where, you know, I also want to make it clear, even when I can contribute to the sales side and, and you know, I'll I'll wind up doing some business development directly uh, for some uh, firms I've worked with, but that I really want to do so in making some of the right introductions, building some of those relationships, and not getting in the way of the salesperson being able to work and close a deal. Because I know this is the like I, I, I get like I respect people who have the right training and experience and uh, and and know how to navigate that uh, in ways that. Yes, technically, I could do some of that, and technically, yeah. there are plenty of salespeople who can go and and figure out uh, something resembling the right marketing mix. But usually, it, like there are very few salespeople I know, and and, and really, like, like any of the best ones that I've worked with, they want to do as little marketing as possible. They want to <laughs> sell, you know. They want to, yeah. or they want to mentor their sales teams. They want to. Uh, 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 they 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 want to dive deep into the data that uh, the marketing team helps you know generate for them, um, but but they like like they don't want to you know, uh, pick one event versus another. They don't want to you know, figure out like what you should be saying on Twitter versus LinkedIn. Like they don't want to do any of the day to day, let alone come come up with what the you know like they'll, they'll have a lot of feedback on you know when you come up with the elevator pitch for the marketing front. Um, but but they don't want to have to go through that whole process. No. They just want to take that pitch and sell the hell out of it. You know? Yeah, I normally find like I normally find that if I have come across the, the hybrid role of where the people do both, what will happen is that they'll say this, they'll go, oh, um, yeah, I haven't done any marketing because I've been busy selling, or I've been so busy marketing I haven't been able to sell. And there's always an yeah. excuse why the results aren't there, and it's because it's very hard, I think, to be brilliant at two things you know sometimes you've got to focus on one thing also i think marketing you have to be quite organized and there's often quite a lot of organization a lot of salespeople aren't the most organized in the world and and also when you're talking about ceos you know one of the things i've i've also come to appreciate is is to your point the ceo is usually the or often i'd say the best marketer at the organization uh yeah they 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 know the 
brand story uh, they've got the the vision they've got the uh, the, the talking points down pat because they created them and wh whether or not they're well organized and or, or on paper somewhere um so uh uh and 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 they've almost definitely got the passion to deliver it even if even if they don't have the polish like i, I could just feel that uh from from a ceo or founder um yeah. but what they typically don't have is the time to focus on it so uh so and and, and if so if I'm coming into a, a marketing role and working with someone like that, it's like, okay, well, I might actually not be able to do everything as well as the CEO could, but by dedicating nearly 100% of my time to it versus the 5 or 10% of time they do, I can still do it way better than they can and, and harness them uh, uh, more effectively. Yeah. So putting back on your sort of non-agency CMO hat now, um, if you were to appoint or engage an agency now, having been on the other side, what what are the things that you know would help? Would would you look for? Would would help you buy into an agency? Well, well, I, I'd, I'd say some of recruiting an agency is uh, is not unlike recruiting a, a, a strong job candidate. Um, so so just trying to see what the you know, like can they articulate the most relevant work they've done and that doesn't even necessarily mean coming from the same vertical if if, if what i'm doing is very say it's very app install driven uh, then then yeah you know, I, I mean i i could you know like i could have some running shoe app and they might have done this for you know pet food or something uh uh but but if they've been able to hit on the same goal, then that to me, and and it's and it's very clear that they know the kind of goals that I'm shooting for, and they've done work that achieves it. Then, then it doesn't necessarily have to be this like I, I, I'd almost be wary if there's too much potential to have that cookie cutter work. Right? Uh, uh, and and I think that there are some really big um, X factors out there in terms of uh, of. Are they just trying to pitch as much business as possible, or is there some reason they want to work on this uh, uh, business? Is does this account matter to them? And you know, like I, mean, I, I think some of the conversations around like if you're getting the A team or the C team, things like I, I think some of that is um, a little overrated, just in the sense for for like on the marketing side, you often do get what you pay for there, but. Um, but but you could still wind up working with a much uh, a scrappy or even a slightly untested team that really wants to work on, on that account and just has some ideas they're even starting to bring to to you even if they're not yet the right ideas that could be that that like that you know that this is someone you really want to give a, a shot to and I, I, I could I, and I'd say the uh, the the biggest um, almost like a red flag is if they're just trying to say, well, if, if they're trying to be a little too formulaic with their approach instead, and that, and they just think that because if it's the pet food brand and they've worked on three other pet food, then they just think that this is a lot, right? They're God's gift to, you know, pet food marketers. Um, and, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll, they'll uh, still have that motivation to, you know, keep, uh, you know, coming up with the right ideas for you. Yeah, I think um, it's it's interesting that 
I, I when I when I had my agency, I always remember I used to have a slide in my deck, which was why I want to work with you. And I used to always try and find, you know, like I always wanted people to feel like I wanted to work for them, that they wouldn't just be another client, that actually they were, you know, they were helping us in a way as much as we were helping them. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you look for that. I think when when I go into the the because I'm not exec for a lot of agencies now, when I speak to the agencies about when they win deals, pitches, and I'm like, you know, what was the, what were you, what was the feedback? Often it comes back. Um, we, we, we could tell that you simply wanted to work with us more than everybody else. So that kind of tells you what you're saying is right. That actually a lot of agencies maybe just go through a routine of turning up, answering a brief, but actually fail to kind of really connect with the people they want to, they're going to work with and demonstrate yeah. and show like, why are you going to be an important client for us? You know, what, 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 how are you going to, not only how are we going to help you, but how will you help us as a business? And therefore it becomes, you know, there's more intrinsic motivation, let's say, to, to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Love that. So to talk to me, David, I want to know, like, community-based marketing for me, I mean, I, I think the first, I think I stumbled into it a little bit by accident, if I'm honest. Um, uh, myself, you know, I, I, I sort of ended up with a network of, agency friends who who used to run agencies and I realized that there was uh some value that they needed maybe some some knowledge and some learning and so we used to run a series of events and then it kind of like in a very weird way we need to find somehow to bring them all together and there wasn't really a lot of b2b communities a lot of b2c communities and sports Mm -hmm. communities and maybe 10 years ago and so from my own personal experience we sort of stumbled into building a community of agencies and and I, and I was quite interested to sort of understand from your perspective how did how did it start with you because you have a uh, well explain a little bit about your community now how what who, who's in it and how large it is because it's pretty impressive uh thank you well I, I, yeah and I, I think it's this uh, great uh, point of commonality to hear you know uh, what you're working on and it's uh, uh, it's uh, inspiring to hear about the work you're doing in that space uh, I, I started uh, I started Zero Marketers about three and a half years ago now, um, and and it was one of those uh, things that that when when I launched my uh, consulting practice under the Serial Marketer name, as soon as I did that, I was thinking, you know, like a lot of people might identify as Serial Marketers, is there something that I should do about that? But I was also wary of launching a, a community, especially because they can very quickly become vanity projects. Mm. And so, so I was trying to avoid anything like that. And, and I was sitting on this idea literally for a couple of years. Uh, and then I, I wrapped up this, uh, this one engagement I had. I, I, I had a little, uh, just I was, suddenly it was a little more open-ended for a bit in terms of how I'd spend my time. Like maybe now I can give this a shot. And I, and I put some idea out there in, in 2018 um, with a single LinkedIn post and a Google form and said, got some idea for how, how we could do this. Um, especially at the time, Slack was just starting to to migrate from like a pure, very, very you know, tech use case to something a little more uh, 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 broad on the corporate side. And, and, and the one thing I still like the best about Slack, even if I have mixed feelings about it as a community tool, is the way it organizes conversations. And so, so even right now, ahead of the Consumer Electronics Show coming up, 
I just created a CES channel. And so folks who only want to talk about that, great, we don't have to then go and, uh, uh, and bother everyone else out there who's just, you know, the 95% who just aren't going to the show and don't care. Uh, so so all, all of this I, I really uh, like about it. And, uh, and, and then it, it's just one of those things that's grown most heavily by word of mouth over the years. We're, we're now ballpark around 3,000 members. Uh, and just terrific, typically mid to senior level marketing professionals, though, though, though there's some more up and coming talent that when they request to join, I love it when there are people coming from from different markets. That's terrific. Um, so uh, it, uh, uh, so there's a, a global base to the community, even if we're very, very U.S. heavy in a lot of the cities that you'd expect. Uh, and, and, and a lot of the main use cases that, that come up are. Uh, yeah, like a, a, a lot of the um, ask and answer for when someone has a request, whether they're looking for a job or they're hiring, there you know, there's some that just came up today or yesterday, you know, someone looking for a good accountant, accountant who can help freelancers, or maybe they need a good, you know, uh, uh, good uh, recommendations for like, like people who've used customer data platforms and they're trying to understand that. So so when, when these things arise, like that's typically what will motivate someone to join. And then quite a few, what I love to see is that they, uh, they're, they're members who are regularly doing business with each other and finding jobs and gigs and uh, just learning about something they, they wouldn't have known about uh, before. Uh, and, and it's just been, been this fantastic group to, you know, to be a part of, let alone shepherd. Yeah, it's funny because when whenever I meet marketing uh, CMOs or senior, senior, senior sort of marketeers, I always ask them the question, you know, how do you find your agencies? And it's amazing how many of them refer, and you may have experienced as well, where you ask your peers, you know, who have you worked with? Who have you trusted? Has anyone worked in that space? So I guess in a way, it must be quite a nice community for for that kind of support as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so, so how, how long did it take you with the community before you started to get sort of critical mass of engagement? Did it, did it just happen from day one or did it take a certain size to get going? No, I, I mean, I think it was just a lot of those steps along the way, like, like for the first year, year and a half, I'd be like, wait, is this dead yet? No. Okay. That's, that's good. Is it, is it dead yet? No. I, you know, can I take a, a few days or a week off and it's still here when I get back and, there's still people. Okay, that's a good sign. And so, so, so there were a few of those milestones, and I and and I, I feel like, you know, uh, coincidentally, also we we got to the thousand member mark in April 2020. Okay? Okay. So, uh, and and so so that uh, so so it was a, a slow build to get to that point. And so, but we reached that milestone. I, again, at a, 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 a yeah, the, the, this very disruptive time for all of us, uh, yeah. and, and and I do remember the, uh, um, March fifteenth, twenty twenty, where uh, I, yeah, just as, as 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 even the idea of like what the hell does a lockdown mean? What does a quarantine mean? Yeah, uh, uh, and, and I'm uh, uh, and I've been based here in the middle of New York City. I'm literally a, a, a around the corner from the Empire State Building. So right in the middle of Manhattan. Uh, and, uh, and, and I remember thinking that that day said, all of a sudden my own community 
went from a nice to have to a need to have for me. And uh, so, so it, 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 it did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I will say, you know, that, that one of the uh, bright spots of, of all of this is, is that I, I think that people value community uh, in, in ways that, that maybe they, uh, I, 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 at least I personally would have taken for granted in some other ways before. And, and so there's a little more intention when I'm even picking which communities to engage with, let alone my own. Yeah, because I'd imagine that CMOs or senior you know, C-level um, marketers are, are quite busy people, right? Mm. To be checking into a community and, you know, updating. Is it is that right? Or do you find that it's just it just varies? Some people are probably a quiet time in their career and they're in it a lot. And or do people do you think people make the time for it? I don't think most people make enough time for it. I think, you know, uh, so so often when I've seen a brand uh, like senior brand side marketers join uh, almost without fail, it turns out they're, you know, they're job hunting right now. And someone tells them, oh, this is a community where you might see some jobs, like you should be networking more. But until that happens, then, uh, uh, then they're not focused on that and and clearly people have these demanding jobs so um so yeah and 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 i'd say that that a lot of the most active people in the community especially at first have been these fellow connectors who are then able to recommend resources from outside the community and and just you know connect people in a lot of interesting ways and so 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 they were mainly the catalysts that uh you know that that provided something of value uh, for for other people there. Uh, I, I I think that you know I mean there's so much w- whether it's community or just you know professional events and things like that that it, you know, these things get deprioritized very very quickly um, and uh, and so so it it's it's very hard to just make that even like you know five or ten minutes a day as part of your job. Yeah. So David. Um... I wanted to share with you an example uh, of one of my agencies, and they're a, a small upcoming agency. They they focus in the third sector, so a lot of their clients are causes, charities, not-for-profits, and they recently set up their own community for people in the charity sector. Mm-hmm. So they started to invite, so, some of them were marketeers, but a lot of them were people working, running charities as well. Um, and they started to build this community up. And I guess the question I had to you, because you've been a CMO in an agency and, you know, you, you've also had the experience of setting up a community, do you, do you feel that agencies should try and create, you know, in their own, their own way, some form of community for their clients and for their prospects, whoever they may well be, because they're always marketeers. I guess sometimes they're CIOs or CTOs in different types of agencies. Do you think it's a good a good thing to do? Well, I, I think that that there are lots of different ways to do it. But but ultimately, you know, like, I, I mean, if I think back to how 360i like to uh, 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 operate, then um, for, for 360i, they had these these annual summits that became uh, of, of just a, a very anticipated uh, event for 
for a ton of their clients and and like the, you know, the bigger they got and the more prestigious their clients got then then this is something that that like for their clients it was like the best networking event of the year uh so uh, so uh, so now if if they were to try to do an online version of that i'm not sure they'd have the same success for including community as you know one of of the uh, uh, the focus areas that they have uh, where you know, how can they help their clients bring a lot of their customers together? How can they, uh, then, then there are lots of great reasons to do so. And I, I, and I think a lot of it's working backwards and saying, well, you know, what can community solve for? Because um, a new business, for instance, could be part of it, but, uh, but uh, you know, there, there are some communities that are driven far more around say, product feedback around customer support uh, around you know peer support so so now you have you know your uh, you know your customers and consumers even you know almost like uh, helping you create some of that documentation for each other in these like resource libraries and so so there are lots of different reasons to do that um, the uh, you know one, one of the biggest challenges I, I uh, that goes into it, though, is treating it as a very long-term play, uh, and, and that this is something that, even in that example of the 360i version of community, which is not even necessarily what they would have called it at the time, um, but this is something that took years to build, and so to keep focusing on on that over time, where you like your monthly or quarterly engagement numbers at first might be really low <laughs> yeah, and, and it might take a little while. You might think that you're, uh, you know, that you're starting something that's very, um, you know, customer service driven um, and it winds up actually being a case where you can start testing new ideas for people who are going to start paying attention. And, and now you, so, so now you're able to then bring in a lot of your product and R and D team in ways that, Perhaps they weren't part of those initial conversations. So, uh, so, so these things can have that e evolution. Um, but, but I'd say going in with some of that sense of, of purpose first and seeing, you know, are, are there some interesting ways where where community can solve for it? There quite possibly are. Yeah, I, you know, I think those benefits are are really, really important. And it's funny, you know, as you were speaking, then I was just thinking about, you know, when I go to South by Southwest you know, in Austin, Texas, that, they, you know, they have the community where I can find the other attendees. I know who in the UK is going over there. I can try and find people by sector or geography. And, and that kind of, that, you know, the, the event support is a great thing that you're right. The shared learning, you know, product testing is brilliant. I think, uh, you know, getting feedback on, on services and products, but I, I love what you said about the more of a long game. I think too many people always looking for quick wins these days, aren't they, with everything and the silver bullets. But the reality is that I think if you're going to if you're going to go down this path, I think you're right. You you have to accept that this is going to be a you know a, a, a not a short term thing. It's going to be a, it's going to take time to learn and to reiterate and to uh, and to develop uh, you know what what works for the community. Uh, and I think that's, um, I think, yeah, there's probably a good lesson for anyone listening is don't go into this lightly. Like, you know, it's, a, you know, you've got to have probably a three to five year minimum expectation around how long it will take you. And it will probably start off quite, I mean, we were quite lucky, David, because actually we started 
in last last April with with Agency Nomic. So, mm. so we've probably got the benefit of the pandemic and everyone working remotely, as you said. And so, you know, we, we grew to um, it was sort of like a thousand members, I think, in the first like six or seven months. We're, mm. we're at about 14, 1500 now. It's, it's actually growing quite nicely now. And but it definitely I saw tipping points, a certain volume of people, there's certain tipping points. And I think but I, I also feel that um, you're right. People should also maybe look at it to build long term friends and connections, not necessarily just dip in and dip out when you need it, because right. actually probably when you most need it, you know, you won't really, you know, you've got to start all over again, right. With your, with, with being, getting involved. So, um, so yeah, so that's it. That's good. I like that. I mean, I, it's funny when I was, as you were speaking as well, I was sort of thinking about some of the other experiences I've seen around even just simple community from a WhatsApp perspective, like, you know, a group of clients going to an event, forming a WhatsApp group in a way it creates a very micro sense of, of community, right? It's like, like, it's like a little mini community there. And there's a product in the UK called Guild now, which is a bit like WhatsApp. I don't know if you've seen it in the States where they're, they're also building communities on a similar model. And I've seen Slack, obviously we're using the Mighty Networks platform for our community. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I think it's good for everyone to go away and think about what the benefits are if they are to bring in a community into the business. But it can build long-term long-term engagement right and long-term kind of i think that's the key thing it's about uh you know being able to create long-term relationships with people if you can get them engaged yeah so tell me about the cryptocurrency creator coin journey you went on so uh maybe yeah give us a little bit of background on what happened and and what you now do with your creator coin yeah, well, well, the, this has definitely been a, a wild ride this year. Where, uh, where early in the year, uh, a good friend of mine, Jeremiah Oyang, a very accomplished tech analyst, always several steps ahead of things, and uh, uh, he, uh, he he reached out to me and he said, uh, "How would you like to have a David coin?" Oh well, uh, uh, flattered by the idea, as like. ICOs, you know, these initial coin offerings started to come up years uh, ago. It was like, like, how feasible is it to do this? And it seemed actually very complicated, at least for someone like me. Uh, and, and so I, I kind of gave up on the idea. But but Jeremiah said he was working with this platform, Rally.io, a, a, a new a platform with you know, some, very, uh, some great, uh, funny, and amazing talent behind it. Uh, and and so so this was a, a creator coin platform, and uh, and so he's like so you know, he's like I'm trying to get some interesting uh, you know, business you know publishers community organizers uh, uh, folks like that involved, um, and 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 so very quickly I was like okay I love the idea, I don't want to make this the David coin because for me I I, I think that. People will care more about the serial marketers community and connecting as marketers than they will connecting around me. I mean, maybe that's a, a little a, a bit of, of, of humility, but I, I think it's far more accurate. And so, uh, uh, and so, uh, and I wanted to make this something that could be as big as possible in that regard. Something where it's like, like if someone like yourself wants to engage with your own members through these CMO coins that uh, uh, ultimately arose, 
then uh, then you know you'd be perfectly fine doing so, and it, it would be kind of a natural extension. And actually, I had a hard time figuring out what to even call this coin. Um, so I went to my community and I said, before I even explain what this was about, I said, if this community could have a three to five letter ticker symbol, what would it be? And there were some great ideas that came in. It was actually one of the most popular posts in the community. And there were some that were sort of like along the lines of what I was thinking, like S mark for serial marketers and things like that and playing on the name. And, and then, and then finally someone said, uh, like, like, uh, things like, like KPR, a KPI, you know, key performance indicator, <laughs> CPR for click-through rate. And right away, I was like, wow, you know, this, this is amazing. So I Google marketing acronyms and CMO comes up. And it's funny the number of times that we've said CMO during this call. I, yeah. it, 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 it wasn't top of mind. And, and I said, Jeremiah, I want the CMO coin. It's going to be you know, the marketing coin. It's going to trade under CMO. And it's something where every member of my community either was or is or wants to be or sells to the CMO. So it's like, like, like this is it. And then it can have these use cases beyond like you know, HubSpot wants to do an event for CMOs. They can, instead of like, you know, you know raffling off an Apple watch, they can you know, uh, j just you know, reward people in CMO coin. So, yeah. so anyway, all, all these ideas that came from it. And so, uh, and so it's been this very interesting way to see like how do we reward members? How you know what does it mean to have a transactional layer in the community? Uh, what does it mean for people to have a stake in the coin for the community? Um, and what are some of these factors that go on in having creator coin that actually have nothing to do um, with the community? So there there are lots of things that I'm learning by doing. One thing I will also add is that that one of the reasons I was excited about this community in the first place is that it is so much about experiential learning, right? And I, and I think that the people who get the most out of a community like mine and perhaps yours um, is they are very much like these very hands-on uh, learners who like to get in the weeds and, and know how something works from the inside out. And so, so this, I thought, like yes, ab absolutely. If if this takes off, okay, I'm the main beneficiary of it too. Um, but this is something where where even when we released these NFTs, these you know, non fungible tokens uh, uh, for the community, I priced these at the equivalent of ten dollars. Okay, uh, and so uh, and you pay in CMO coins. I've had all these coin drops for the community. So basically. For most people who want to try this out in my community, they're free. Yeah, uh, and, and if they're not, it's like the uh, so so this then it's designed to make it as equitable as possible and give people a chance to say like, oh well, I don't have to worry about some bidding war for some ten thousand dollar NFT that I may not even get. I could I could just pay a few bucks of some coins that I might already own and now see how this stuff works. And then maybe I'll try to sell it for $11 or nine, you know, maybe I'll try to give it to someone and not care if I give this thing away or not. Uh, and so, uh, so opening up these where like well, I'd love for there to be a whole breed of marketers, a whole like cohort of sorts who say, I got like, like the first coins I own, the first NFTs I own came through the serial marketers community that might not mean they got rich off of it. I'd love to get them, yeah, all in, yeah, yeah. have their own private uh, jets to the you know can lions and 
uh, that are thanks to serial marketers. But even if we don't quite get there, then um, uh, still, I'd say, say the knowledge you, people can gain for it from it is pretty powerful too. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been thinking about, and I'd be interested to know what, where you are at with this, but I've been thinking it's a really nice way to reward contribution as well. And like, you know, to have a coin and be able to, I don't know, let's say, for example, you have, you know, um, you know, sponsors buying the coin and then it gives you an, an opportunity to be able to redistribute coins to people who are who are contributing more content or adding more value to the community. Right. So is there any kind of reward like almost as a reward scheme? So so th this is actually where I have a lot of trouble. And and, okay. and, 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 I, and if there are people like yourself or members of your community and audience who have more thoughts on this. So, so uh, one of the biggest things I'm trying to wrap my head around is where's that right line between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Okay. So, uh, um, uh, uh, and 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 one member and advisor it came to me and was like, you know, we should do a, a membership drive for the community before the end of the year. We should uh, uh, and you know, can reward people at CMO coins and have this, you know, uh, uh, you know some milestone and all that. And I still. I keep involving more people in this conversation because I think I can do more to incentivize member referrals. Um, but I'm also really worried about the kinds of people who take part in this are just you know, trying to do it for the potential rewards and not and maybe um, lapse on the uh, the the you know, quality control for making sure that the right members are part of the community. Uh, and so. So I'm really torn on on things like this. Now I've done some kind of incentivizing. I, I use this platform Bonfire, for instance, that plugs into Rally. And so if I'm trying to get some member feedback now, I can post, say, like a very simple question on uh, on Rally, and then uh, 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 and then offer on on Bonfire, and then offer you know a, a coin or three for people who are getting it. so so it's like and 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 there it's almost like. Okay, well, yeah, I'm I'm basically like rewarding people for something of value that they're giving me, and uh, uh, and and it makes a little more sense. Uh, but I, and and I'm not saying that the extrinsic motivation side is wrong. I'm just so encourage so, the wrong behaviors in the community. It, exactly, and 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 maybe it'll be fine. That that you know, like like is is the potential upside way better than the uh, than the risk that goes into it and i just don't know yet and so so this is where i also am you know i i i, I want to make sure that this is a community that's transacting first around ideas and relationships and and transacting around things that are like offers to tap into someone's experience to tap into someone's uh, 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 jobs that, 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 uh, that they're posting, things like that, and not make it. Uh, uh, say one, one of the one, when some I'm the most money these, gets the most power well, in the community. It, it, yeah, and, and when I see some of the stuff on Twitter or some of these other things about like where it's all about how much money you're making, and you bought this NFT for a hundred bucks, and now it's worth five hundred bucks. Gotta say, congrats to you. That bores the hell out of me, um, yeah. and and I just am very wary of going down that route <laughs> yeah i mean we um we 
because we we're slightly probably different the way because we run ours as a social enterprise so it's yeah. a not-for-profit there is no membership fee and you know everything we do is kind of funded by the community experts give up time to 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 keep it going and add support and advice and i think that um i guess like we've had some some areas like for, uh, there's often a lot of requests for tools and for information and i, I feel like maybe you know, creating some of those tools as NFTs that people could purchase and own or have sort of shared ownership of, or mm. but I'm still trying to get my head around it myself. And I, I think that's quite interesting what you say. And I think that's certainly something that I would, I thought would be, it would be good to reward. But as you were speaking, then I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. It, you could end up with people just con- game trying to game the system rather mm. than maybe the sense of community. And I think, it's just with the whole sort of, you know, DAO sort of having a decentralized autonomous organization, half of me kind of thinks to myself, well, actually in the end, could you, could you turn, you know, all of the, all of the members ultimately have a create, you know, have the creator coin, whatever it is, they all actually own the community themselves in a way. Yeah. And, and sort of there's distributed ownership and therefore within that ownership, people can hopefully shape where that organization goes around hopefully a set of values and behaviors but have I, you thought I, about that, or that yet or i have and i and i've even looked into this um like uh, upstream which i'm a big fan of if you go to upstreamapp.com i uh I, I use them for a lot of my uh, uh community events um, virtually yep. especially and um so so they just launched dows their founder alex Dow is very deep in crypto um and, and like i'm a member of this DAO that they've launched within their, uh, you know, within this like NFT group within Upstream, and now if I go with this route, and it's something I'm, I actually plan on having a conversation with with Alice and my my community very, very soon about this, is I want to make sure again that it's more about the people who are most interested in getting involved and and having a stake, but having an extremely low buy-in for doing so. And yes. so, yeah. so again, it's not just like the person with the most disposable income has the most influence. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think you're right, because obviously, like like me, you've been obviously around a little bit and you remember the, the hype and the hype cycle and the dot-com crash. <clears throat> you know, and the thing about with the NFT values is, I mean, um, there's, you know, there's a, a lot of stuff going on right here, right now. In fact, last night there was, a, a you know, another big launch of another of another big nft site and the valuations are going crazy right and so mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know that you know the hype can create these kind of boom bust you know the market always rectifies itself so there's always an element of risk around the nft site, especially in an early m- immature market that we're still kind of in in this space right so yeah. i think I'm, I'm i'm kind of with you on there i think for us i don't think it would be necessarily around um you know financial gain from trying to i guess make assets worth more money than well as much money as they can be but more about trying to i guess in, enhance a sense of of shared ownership and mm. and collaboration and contribution and trying to find ways to to use these tools for good uh, not for profit necessarily because we are not for profit ultimately in the day but having said that maybe it was to be quite good for some fundraising to help the community, you know, to resource it, to do other things as well. So, um, 
but that I, I will check out upstream and so that's it that seems like quite interesting i think in a way probably yeah become part of a dow before maybe i start to change <laughs> economics into one and and see firsthand what what happens um, it, 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 yeah and, and one of the things i i like i i don't know for instance is like yeah, uh, for instance, like, like you create an agency economics DAO, but say members don't do anything actively about it, right? Like, like do you have this very small share of people who then have this outside influence if you're making it a DAO versus, you know, I, I see it as, I, I, I see the opportunity for zero marketers knowing the vast majority of people will not, you know, check that box or do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, is that still having a more of like a, a working group, an advisory board of sorts, and like you know a way to reward some ideas coming through and and get people involved in a more tangible way? Um, that where those benefits then extend to the entire community, uh, and uh, and we become stronger for it. So. Yeah. So what do you? So my last question to you really is: Where do you feel right now, based on the last three years, your community is going? I mean is it a question of growing in size or do you see new areas of, of development for it? Well, well, this is also something where I think that, uh, that, that the, the size of the community matters less. Like uh, I think much more, if I can create 10% more value for the members of the community, then that's just going to inspire just far more people to refer the right members and and i don't know what the right size is like like yes if i reach a hundred thousand members then i probably become an easier acquisition target or like that but i could also try to do that in what for me are all the wrong ways and and reasons um i i like there's a lot more that i want to focus on in terms of some of these interest group areas um and, and whether it's like brand or agency side or or even some of the local markets i think that there there are some great opportunities uh uh for uh for that um i do think integrating the cmo coin into the community is a a a, a big one that they're just some like i've got this terrific uh developer alistair marcel and and so she's constantly um helping bring some of my sort of crazy ideas to life and uh, uh but there, there's actually a lot that I've built that I, I just actually had been running this um, uh, uh, sort of event of sorts in November called 30 Days of Serial Marketers, where every day I was communicating some new like features and ways that you can engage with the community that I'd say the vast majority of members have no idea about. Uh, so, uh, so I think that there's so much going on already that could just be communicated better. Um, and, and also one thing I'd love to figure out is what is the appetite for virtual events coming up? Like even as in-person events come back, there are going to be some great ways to connect people who just cannot be in the same room together. And, uh, and I mean, on that note, it's quite important because if you, you know, if we take, you know, Web3 as a, a you know, a kind of a holistic perspective of Web3, you know, and, you know, we're already we're already seeing, you know, metaverse worlds being built. Um, you know, I, I've been looking at this quite a lot. You see, look, was it record land purchases happening within the metaverse? And, and do you I mean, I, I've been thinking to myself, would do I would I see, you know, 
actually the community in a way you know becoming virtual because as people get used to dealing on working on a more virtual basis will will people actually be happier to go into virtual environments to network you know through avatars it will you know second life is having a rebirth but it's like would um you know actually it almost makes sense in a way that is again it comes down to time and an ease to be able to do this i guess but if um if the the next generation, if Gen Zs are much, their appetite is much more, you know, to engage in virtual stuff and, you know, the stuff that Facebook do, you know, with Oculus becomes even more portable, even more wireless. I, I just, yeah, I think you might be right. I could almost see the virtual communities having, having, but I don't know whether whether I should go and create agency nomics, you know, in the metaverse now and buy some land and get everyone to go there and then create an experience in there another food for thought uh, yeah and uh it, I, I, and there's still some like i there, there's this one group i'm part of and we run the these small uh, monthly zoom calls and and um and, and actually uh, even uh, even now i mean it's just uh while, while we've got a, a core group locally like to get everyone together in the same place is just so tough even for for those mm-hmm. who are near yeah. each other uh and and yet um, just having 10 people over Zoom where you could see all of our faces at the same time, you know, you could have like the uh, sharing these updates, getting people's just very simple sort of 2D reactions to things. It works, yeah. Uh, and, and so um, I, I, I kind of veered away from Zoom for a while for, for a lot of the stuff I was doing this year. And, and weirdly for some of these kinds of sessions, I miss it and, and realize just more and more like that has its place too. So. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think sometimes we're too busy trying to run ahead and we forget that what we've got, you know, in, in hand and actually we can make better use for it. Um, and just my last question to you really is just around that, around with um, CMOs who are busy, um, you know, do you do you think that so if you this group that you've got are they they're obviously i guess in quite c-level roles or not really it's a it's a mix of people but they, you do find that senior people will create the time for these things is what i'm saying i guess if you give them enough notice in their diaries you can make these things work yeah and they're and they're, they're terrific people who've come on as guests and who want and who are looking to interact with uh 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 just with with others, especially like I mean, I mean, we ha- had that head of marketing from uh, Yield Street come on uh, on a, as a guest speaker the other day, and, and I mean, I loved that that the depth of expertise from the community, like the self-selected members who took part, had way better questions than I did, uh, and so I was able to learn from the members' questions, let alone from right. Whitney Racklin o- over there. She's she's amazing, um, so. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, um, and, and, and it's just, and granted every single time I do these events, no matter how, how well attended they are or, or aren't, I always think there's so many more people in the community alone who would benefit from this. And it's like, how do we communicate that better? Is it a timing thing? Is it just like a, is it event fatigue? Like, why are people not coming? Because the people who are, are, are there are so engaged and, and typically so excited by it. Uh, and, and again, just trying to harness that. There, there are a lot of codes I haven't yet cracked. 
Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for giving up time today. I will put uh, in the show notes all of the links to David and uh, and to Serial Marketers and uh, so you can learn more. And uh, yeah, listen, thanks so much for, for giving up your time. And that's it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Until next time, that is a wrap. When you get about to see, it's time to make it happen when we hit these streets. I'm coming in hot and I can't be beat. Watch out now. Everybody watch out.